Never hurts to have a little Prosecco while you're doing your estate planning. Join us. Welcome back to the wind down, everyone. Today, we are talking about six considerations for your estate plan. Uh, we're going through what an estate plan is, the different documents that are going to be in it, what we think should be required to be in it, and, and a, a little description of all of them. And you may say, well, I don't need an estate, estate plan. We believe everyone, regardless of age, regardless of si asset size, needs an estate plan. So be sure to listen all the way through. All right. And if you're listening, maybe you're on a walk, maybe you're driving, and you think, man, what was those six things? Because we're going to go through six, and we go going through them pretty, pretty quick. Uh, you can go to the website when you get home, and you can go to the blog page. So pomwealth.net forward slash blog. And we have an article written on this topic with everything listed out for you, all there, very easy to follow. You can just then check them off, all those things that you need to know about. Um, also, if you are listening to this on our website, that is great. We love it when you listen to the podcast, no matter how you do so. But you will see there a big red button that says subscribe uh, to our podcast. So when you go click on that, it's going to take you up to a screen and it's going to show you different places that you can subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, all these different places. Pick one and go and subscribe and write us a review if you could. You can do that on Spotify. You can do it on iTunes. Uh, that really helps us. We read all of those. We want to know what uh, your, your thoughts are on the show. And so we want to make sure that we uh, try to apply those things and give you the shows that you that you like and that you find are beneficial. Also, uh, I say this at the end of the podcast, uh, but I want to make sure you know that if you have any questions about what we're going to talk about in this podcast, feel free to go to the website top right hand corner and click on that uh, complimentary phone conversation and you will be able to see our schedule. Mercer or I either one will lovely uh, love to rather hop on the uh, uh, phone with you and answer any questions you have whatsoever. But before we get into this episode, we got a quick disclosure. That's right. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your situation. Let's wind on down. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Welcome everyone to the Secure Your Retirement podcast. And it is the last Monday in May. It just seems like they're just flying by. Uh, and today is our wind down. You know how wind down works. I just want to say this though, we do have a wealth of information for you. We're going to talk about six considerations for your estate plan and why you need to know about these things, think about them, make sure they're in place and up to date. But we also get to do this episode sipping on a little bit of wine. And so Morgan, can you tell us what it is that we're sipping on? Sure. Today we are sipping on a Raffaello Prosecco. It's an Italian sparkling wine. 
uh, wonderfully fresh and appealing notes of golden apples with a seductive bouquet of delicate spring flowers. So sip on that. <laughs> well, fantastic. So uh, like I told you, we, uh, we'd like to share a glass of wine on our last uh, Monday. Uh, so why we call it wine down, but we do have some real good topics uh, that we want to go through. So we've got six things that we want to discuss. And then Morgan's going to help orchestrate our questions. So Morgan, can you kind of outline the six topics? Yeah, so the six considerations for your estate plan are will, healthcare power of attorney, durable power of attorney, the HIPAA form, IRA and 401k beneficiaries, and the transfer on death brokerage and bank accounts. Very nice. All right, well, let's get started. Well, let's start with why do we need a will? You know, um, I always tell this story around uh, this idea of a will. When I took the exam to become a certified financial planner, I, after doing all the school stuff, I did some prep courses and what they were told us and they drilled into our head is if the question, it, you could read this like, you know, page and a half long question and scenario. And it says, if the, if the end result is the person does not have a will, when they say, what's the number one thing they need to do? You can forget all the other stuff. They need to get a will first. And the reason why is without a will, simple things become very, very complicated. Who gets what? That's one part of a will, but also how the, the, the legality behind it, rather, of how we get it into the next name. So if we have accounts um, or we have a property and we do not have it specified who we want that to go to. And it could be as simple as I want it to go to my spouse, or I want it to go to my spouse and then my children, or I want to have it only go to one or two children out of the four, whatever it might be, we get to lay all that out. But if I don't have that, it now goes to the court system. And the court system is that it's the one who comes in and says where it's going to go. And so I could either not get the will done, have the court system come in and say, who's going to get my stuff, or I can just simply do a will. And it is simple to put together a will. It's not very complicated. Uh, we, uh, Merce and I work with all of our clients and helping them make sure that they have an estate plan put together. We have a great system for doing that. It is super, super simplistic. Um, and I say that over and over and over. It's not difficult. It does take a little bit of time, but you can actually put together a pretty good will in about a half an hour of just filling out some questions and get, and then having the documents populated. So I just tell you this, if you do not have a will, it is one of the easiest ways to have a complicated scenario. If something happens to you, and we never know what's going to happen. You might be young. You might think you're not going to have a problem, but if you do in fact have one, you just leave a mess for somebody else. So anybody listening that does not have a will, should go out right now and get their will. Yes, they should. <laughs> what about the healthcare power of attorney? What is the purpose of that? So let's let's break it down into the two words, healthcare and POA, power of attorney. So power of attorney, um, that is someone that you are granting essentially power over certain types of decisions. And if you throw in the word healthcare in there, then you know what that is. That's medical situations. And so a power of attorney is being appointed as kind of to be your agent, someone that's going to be able to make decisions on your behalf in the case that you're not able to, whether it's due to disability or incapacitation. Uh, while you are living, a power of attorney can make those decisions for you. 
And so the healthcare power of attorney makes it a little bit more specialized in the, the medical world, medical type decisions. So don't think about finances. Think about, you know, uh, if you have a certain type of condition or if you're incapacitated, what type of uh, medical procedures would you like to have done while you're not able to make those decisions? Um, and so the healthcare power of attorney is going to lay all of that out. So you take the time to think through all the different scenarios that could happen. You take the time to essentially put down in words how you want things to play out if you're not able to make decisions. Uh, what's nice about having this document is that you've thought it out. You've thought through all the scenarios. You've thought through all the situations. Um, and then you've also appointed someone who you trust to carry these decisions out for you. And what's nice here is let's go to the, the picture of you being incapacitated, whether it's a stroke or a coma or whatever. Um, some very difficult decisions are going to have to be made. And, and this is where it can be a lot of pressure on the family to be making these decisions for you. Um, if you have it all well thought out, well laid out in this legal document, all of a sudden the pressure comes off because it says, it says clearly right here, hey, this is what he or she wanted. There's no arguments that need to be made. The, the family doesn't need to fight over, well, this is how I think he, he or she would have wanted this to be done. It's all very well documented and well laid out. So it takes the pressure off of the family, takes the pressure off the power of attorney, um, and just helps in, a, in what is typically a very difficult situation. Uh, so that's kind of the healthcare power of attorney. You got anything to add to that, Raiden? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I had a scenario where there was that specific situation. You had a, a person who um, had, a, had a bad thing occur, had a stroke, um, and he was put on, um, in all essence, a feeding tube and a, and a device to help him, uh, not, a, not a feeding, yeah, feeding tube, as well as a device to help him breathe. He couldn't communicate. Uh, the doctors basically said, uh, he is not going to have any brain activity. He's not going to be able to, to, to be functioning ever. And that was the, that was the outcome. But the question was between the, uh, his wife and his children. And in this case, uh, the children were, I mean, his children, they, they were a second marriage. So we're, we're not her children. And she had the power to make the decision because she was his spouse, but there was some, there was some conversation back and forth because the, the, there was one side saying, I don't think he would want to live this way if this was his only option. And then there was some saying in the, in the children's side going, I don't know. I don't, I think if dad would, would want to have this opportunity. And so it just prolonged that scenario for quite a while. Finally, the decision was made to have to take him off of that, but it was this stressful situation for the family. So I just say, look, why not take that away from them? Because if you lay your wishes out and say, if I got to be on life support, I don't, if that's your wish, I don't want to live under those circumstances. You now take it out of the hands of them. They don't have to make that decision. They don't have to wonder what you thought. So I think that one's a really, really important document to have. Yeah, a really loving thing to do for your family to take one more stressful thing off them in an already stressful situation. So I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. 
So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. What about the durable power of attorney? How does, how does that work? So the durable power of attorney, again, power of attorney, you're appointing someone that you trust to carry out your wishes, your desires. Now the durable is going to cover more of the, the financial side of your life, um, financial or business, or basically anything that involves decisions outside of healthcare, if you want to put it that way. Um, So that could be having access to various accounts. It could be to bank accounts, to investment accounts, to 401ks, um, having the ability to sign a check uh, in, in, in someone else's place, having the ability to make some financial decisions. Um, and I mean, as, as far as, you know, uh, it, can, it can be as much or as little as you want. So one, one thing that's nice about the durable power of attorney is you can state in there what all controls that that, that power of attorney has. Um, you can make it so that they can change beneficiaries if you wanted to or update account uh, account information if you wanted to uh, or you could take that away from them so it's really you're giving someone again a lot of power and a lot of control over your essentially your finance finances your assets and giving them the, the power to do things with them within a within reason of what um, what they would see fit but again they're acting in your interest um, so having this person typically it's a family member or a very very close friend or a loved one um, that is able to, again, help out in a scenario where you are not able to do something for yourself. Uh, the thing about both of these power of attorneys that we've discussed, healthcare and durable, uh, they need to be done in advance, right? So go back to Raiden's situation. If you're already incapacitated, well, then it's very, very difficult uh, to get a power of attorney approved um, because you have to be of sound mind and, and ableness to actually be able to have these documents put in place. Anything to add there? I got a question for you. So uh, IRAs, that's an easy one for us to talk about. Uh, IRAs have to be in an individual's name. So I could be married. And if we each have an IRA, mine has to be in my name. It cannot be joint. So what's the first thing you would say, Merce, if let's say a husband called up and said, hey, I need you to uh, do something to my wife's account. Let's say they call you, you call Fidelity, you call Schwab, you call anybody asking them to do anything on your wife's account. What are they going to say? Yeah, that they can't, not unless there's a power of attorney in place, a durable power of attorney in place and on file with the custodian. Again, with IRAs, you know, or or with marriage, you you kind of think, hey, that's my that's my spouse's account. So I should have equal access to it. I should have equal powers over it. Well, in particularly IRAs and 401ks, those are individually held accounts. The IRS doesn't care. Uh, the government doesn't care if you're married or not. Uh, what they care about is that legal document that will give you access to them. So definitely um, the durable power of attorney and of course the healthcare are going to be two things that make your estate plan simpler, makes your family's life a lot easier. Okay. And then what about the HIPAA form? Why would you need that? So the HIPAA form is kind of, it's in addition to what you would do with the healthcare power of attorney. The healthcare power of attorney is basically you describing kind of things that you, your wishes. The HIPAA form though, allows the doctor at the hospital or in a doctor's office to share their medical information with you. So if you don't have that in place, then that, that, that could restrict them on what it is that you would actually have access to. So when you have a HIPAA form and you give it and you say, hey, look, I want my spouse to have access to all my medical information if needed. Well, now they, they, they've got that document there that can help them. Maybe though, let's say you don't have a spouse and you want one of your children 
to be able to have that access. They cannot talk to them about your medical situation unless you have given them that HIPAA form. I'll give you another example that I learned about. I just, uh, you know, a year or so ago had my son turn 18. He's now 19. Once a son, a child rather, turns 18, if they get into a, a wreck or, or something happened and they're in the hospital and you come in as the parent saying, I need to get information, what's going on with my child? Once they're 18, the, the hospital now is locked down in what they can share with you. So I had my son uh, do a HIPAA form so that it would basically say, if something happens to me, my parents, I want them to be able to get that information. So that's what a HIPAA form does. You need to do that, whether it be that scenario or for your spouse, or if you have not got a spouse and you want to have a child, what, whoever you want to have help you in that situation, you need to have that HIPAA form in place. That makes sense. So as far as uh, beneficiaries on IRAs and 401ks, what do you need to think about as far as that goes? So the beneficiary form is very, very important. And we believe, you know, you should revisit that uh, on a regular basis, annually, every couple of years. Uh, definitely, if anything has changed in your life, life-changing events, what the beneficiary is going to do is it's going to basically drive where the money goes, where funds go at the time of your passing. And so you have the ability as an owner of an IRA or a Roth account, a 401k, you have the ability to go ahead and set up your beneficiaries while you are living. Sometimes we get the question of, well, won't my will take care of that? And in a way, the will will eventually take care of that, but there could be costs involved. There's going to be courts involved. There could be probate involved. The beneficiary form is going to avoid all of this, which is a, a relief to the, to the inheritors and the family in general. There, um, when you're typically what you're going to be appointing on, from a beneficiary perspective is a primary beneficiary. Uh, and then a contingent beneficiary, and sometimes even a second contingent beneficiary, if, you're, if your company allows. Uh, kind of the way that could go is that it could be a spouse as primary, the kids as contingents, and then maybe the grandkids as second contingents, or a charity or something like that. The more that you have your beneficiary form laid out and pretty much fully explained as to who's, who's it going to go to, what's their date of birth social, um, and then also the percentages, and, and as much information as you can provide at the time of your passing, all of a sudden, the inheritors, it's so much smoother uh, of a process. A um, couple of terms as well when it comes to beneficiaries. One is called a per stirpes designation. The other is called a per capita designation. Um, per capita, in a quick explanation, there's probably a podcast in itself, but per capita means that you're basically going across the board. Uh, and so if, if one of your beneficiaries is not there, well, then that their portion is going to go to the other beneficiary on that same line. If you were to say per stirpes and that one beneficiary is not there, well, it's actually going to go down that one person's lineage to potentially uh, their kids or grandkids. So uh, definitely uh, it's, uh, per stirpes per capita, something that you want to understand uh, as to what it means and how it could work in your situation. But we would say all accounts, not just IRAs and 401ks, but all accounts, if they have the ability to have a beneficiary on them, we definitely want them on there because it's going to make the estate process so much simpler and so much easier for uh, the ones that you're leaving behind. Okay. And what about the transfer on death? How do you set one of those up? So on that, um, now, if you, let's just talk about two different things here. One of those is um, a joint account and a joint account. Let's say I have an account with, with my wife 
if it's joint at my death or hers, it automatically becomes the other ones, uh, their account. That part's easy. The, the part that's a little bit more complicated, though, is what if something happens to both of us or I'm not married or I, I don't have a person that I uh, that it will I will be joint account with, then what happens at that point? If I don't have the transfer on death or like Merce just talked about, in all essence, a beneficiary designation, it now has to go through the will, which is not horrible, but it just adds a layer of complexity to it. Whereas if I have that brokerage account or that bank account transfer on death, which means I have a beneficiary designation, it is super simple. All that person has to do is fill out a form, have a, a death certificate, and they're going to be able to get that get access to that money without having to go through all the, the, the different aspects of fulfilling a will. So we like to have them all there just because it, it simplifies it. We've had to unfortunately help folks in that area, and it is super complicated and, and difficult when we don't have those. And when we have them, they're super easy, and we're all about trying to make it simple. So that's pretty much what we've got. Those are the six elements. I do want to say this because you might be thinking if you're listening to this, why did they not say trust? Well, a trust is optional. You may or may not need it. You may or may not want one. Well, all these six things we've listed, we believe are in all essence, essential and required and at all times. You need all six of these. These are things that are important no matter what. A trust though, you can make some decisions about what you wanna do on that. We wanted this to be all about the things we believe should be in place. So if you're missing any one of these six, or they're out of date, or you've had them for a very long period of time, this is essential. That is something I would tell you needs to be at the top of the list. So if you've got any questions about this, or if you want to know how we can help you in this way and do it super simple, very, very, very uh, easily, then you can set up a call and you can go to the website, go to the top right-hand corner, and you can just click on the button, complimentary phone conversation. Your, our schedule will come right up. You can get right on the phone with myself or Merce, and we will walk you through step-by-step step exactly how to do this. We believe it's important. We will help you with this. We will not charge you for this, but we just want to make sure that we help you get this in place. We believe it's essential. So hope this has been helpful. Thank you very much, Morgan, for uh, facilitating with us today. Um, and uh, we hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you again next Monday. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.